2: Mary Louise Day was a a girl that lived in Seaside in about 1981. She disappeared.
3: What do you mean she disappeared?
2: She disappeared off the face of the earth.
4: I just knew something was wrong in the house. Mary my sister. One day Mary was in California, and then she was gone. Laying in bed one night with Kathy, I asked her, you know, I was like, what happened with Mary, you know? And she was like, shh, don't say anything. We're not allowed to talk about Mary. When I was 18, and I was like, I can, you know, go and try to find her.
2: It was a very hard case to deal with. Other than the family, nobody knew she was gone. Didn't seem to really concern them.
4: She started running away. You turn around, she was gone. You turn around,
2: she was gone. I've never seen a case like this.
4: My mother told me that there were a lot of places in California that you could bury a body and they'd never be found. I started believing she was murdered.
2: The dogs went into the backyard. We just had an indication from the cadaver dogs that there there were human remains there. And our guys started digging and and, uh, my heart was pounding. We were looking for a little girl's body, and we found a little girl's shoe.
1: William told me that uh, he didn't kill Mary Day, but his wife told him that he was possessed that night, and that he had Demon inside of him.
2: I've never heard anybody say that before. This is a crazy case. Mary disappeared, no trace of her for 22 years.
3: And then what happens?
2: And then I got a phone call. He told me, uh, Hey, uh, Captain, he says, You sitting down? He said, gotta let you know that they say that they, uh, they found Mary Day. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> this case just gets weirder and weirder.
3: California detective Joe Bertina first heard the name Mary Louise Day back in 2002 he'd been asked to lead the investigation into her disappearance
1: the case was a tangle of weaves that went all different directions
3: Mary was 13 years old when she vanished in 1981 seemingly without a trace
1: there was no evidence that she was alive
3: Joe's boss at the time was Steve Sircone
2: Not a trace of her as an adult. No social security record of her having a job, getting uh, welfare benefits. We have nothing on this person's identity. She didn't exist. She didn't exist.
3: Mary's existence came close to being completely erased. There's no record that her stepfather William Houle or her mother Charlotte had ever reported her missing. It's hard to believe Allowing a child to walk away or a child go missing, and it's not reported.
2: I can't remember a time when a child was not reported by the parents.
4: I couldn't understand how a mother could not go to the ends of the earth to find her child.
3: It was this woman, Sherry Calgaro, Mary's sister, who finally got authorities on the case.
4: I wanted to know what happened to my sister Mary.
3: Sherry was 10 when Mary went missing. As an adult, she filed a missing persons report and told the police about Mary's troubled childhood.
2: The information we have through the sisters is that it was a very dysfunctional household.
3: In their early days, Mary Day, middle sister Kathy, and Sherry were in and out of a foster home. Their mother could not take care of them. Sherry was adopted by the foster family.
4: We were separated when I was six years old.
3: Mary and Kathy were returned to their mother, Charlotte. By this time, Charlotte had married William Hoole, and the couple had two kids of their own. Poole was a soldier. The family moved around a lot from base to base. At one point, detectives say Mary's stepfather had been reportedly physically abusing her.
2: Children's Protective Services had taken custody of Mary. She was eventually turned back over to the family. In my opinion, the system failed.
3: At the time Mary disappeared, Houle was assigned to Fort Ord on the California coast north of Monterey.
1: They were living in Seaside, which is kind of a military town at that time. And that's where she was last seen.
3: Sherry, who kept in touch with her birth family, later visited them.
4: When I went to visit my family, I asked them uh, what had happened to my sister Mary. Kathy was like, shh, don't say anything. We're not allowed to talk about Mary.
3: But Kathy did say her mother, Charlotte, told them Mary had
4: run away. At the time, I wasn't sure what I thought, except that it did make sense to me.
3: When Sherry grew up, she filed that missing persons report. By the time Seaside Police launched its investigation in 2002, there was little to go on
2: the neighbors barely recalled the family living there nobody really knew this family and they sure didn't know Mary Day
3: Mary had never been enrolled in school in California and her parents never told anyone she was gone Bertina says they had at least one reason to keep quiet Mary had been getting government checks because her birth father had died in an accident.
1: They were taking uh, Mary's social security checks, cashing them. Detective Bertina, it's March
3: 3rd, 2003. Rob camera. Bertina went to the seaside home, Mary's last known whereabouts. He brought Kathy with him.
0: pictures used
3: to be there of all of us. Kathy was just 11 when she last saw her sister.
0: That day lives in my head a lot. It feels like you're opening up a scab, you're opening up and it, it hurts. Minute, here. This is Mary's in mind.
1: Mary was at home along with Kathy when the rest of the family went out. They came home later that evening, and while they were gone, the dog became sick and was dying in the kitchen area. When William saw that, he immediately accused Mary of poisoning the dog.
0: He started yelling at us, and I got scared. All hell broke loose. This is the corner where he was hit now.
3: I mean, the fight
0: was back here. I can hear her yelling. there's nothing we can, we can do. He hit her last time I saw her she had the blood coming down her mouth.
3: Kathy said after Mary disappeared, her parents ordered the kids to stay away from one particular area of the backyard. I'm not supposed
1: to come over to you weren't supposed to
3: come over here? Mm-mm. Who told you that? My father. The clues were adding up, and detectives felt they could be dealing with something much more sinister than a runaway teenage girl. They brought in a team of cadaver dogs, dogs trained to find human remains.
2: As the dogs went into the backyard, they each hit on one particular spot near a tree. We started to dig. As a father, my heart was pounding. And as we dug, I saw a little girl's shoe. My heart started pounding even more. And I thought, here we are. We found her.
5: While you piece together the intricately woven plot, you'll collect crucial information in your photo album, turning suspicions into facts. And if you want help on the case, you can even join a detective club to collaborate or compete with fellow sleuths on hundreds of puzzles. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
6: At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car or a
2: house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going the four walls that welcome you home when you combine auto and home insurance with amica we'll help protect it all and the more you cover the more you can save amica empathy is our best policy
3: The missing persons case of Mary Day was quickly becoming a homicide investigation with police facing the grim task of digging in the dirt where the cadaver dogs alerted.
2: And we kept digging and there was no body. I said, well, it must be here. And and, And they kept digging.
3: They were sure that a body had been there.
2: They were positive. They said, you know, our dogs don't lie and four of them independently, hitting on the same spot before we dug. The dog handler said, it's been moved. At this time, there was no question that the parents were the suspects in the possible homicide of a little girl from 1981. We knew that we had to find the parents. They
3: found them in Kansas. It was more than 20 years after Mary disappeared. Her stepfather, William Hool, had left the Army and was now at a Kansas prison working as a corrections officer. He and Charlotte were still together. She agreed to talk with local detectives about the daughter who vanished so long ago.
7: You don't have whips and chains, do you? Oh well, absolutely
2: not. do <laughs> I remember watching the interview and realizing that she had something to tell us.
4: You know, life is full of regrets. If you go back and say, you know if I did this and
2: this and this. Her body language and then her sinking down in her chair and saying words to the effect of, uh, you know, sometimes you do things in your past and it comes back. I knew that there was something there. When's the last time I heard from Mary?
7: 81. <laughs> the
2: last time she ran
3: away. Charlotte said Mary running away was no big deal. She did it all the time. Oh, what a mess. It
7: was like trying to get a nightcrawler out of a wormhole, just grabbing it, it was gone,
4: grabbing it, it was gone. I right. mean, how many times did she run away? Uh, you know, all these questions I can't answer.
6: Okay. When you was
2: back in California, mm-hmm. did you guys take any kind of steps to find her? We should have. We should have.
3: But you didn't?
4: My husband said we filed a police report with Selena's police department.
5: If we did, I don't remember.
3: There is no record of a report.
2: I couldn't understand a parent. Um, number one, not reporting their child as runaway. Uh, but number two, treating this case, the status of their missing daughter as basically no big deal. It didn't seem to really concern them. They were not really, really surprised at us being there.
3: Detective Bertina later questioned Mary's stepfather, William.
1: I just asked him, tell me about the last time that you saw Mary. He told me that, well, he was going room to room, checking on the kids and he discovered Mary wasn't in the bedroom. He told Charlotte she panics, he panics and called the police. And he knew I wasn't buying that. I said, William, she runs away all the time. Why did you panic? I never got a good response.
3: The detective pressed Hool and brought up the story of the sick dog.
1: And he said five or six times, you know she did. She poisoned my dog. And I was really angry. She tried to run out of the house. I didn't want her to go, so I caught her before she got out of the front door. She was kicking me, punching me, so I pushed her. And when he's doing this, he's making a The choking? Yeah, gesture he's yeah, with his hand. And it's like a hand strike that I've seen before. It's a martial art technique. So I asked him, where did you hit her with that? And he said, well, in the upper chest. And I said, well, could it have been the throat? And he, he said, well, it may have slipped off and hit, her, hit Mary in the throat. I wanted to know on a scale of one to 10 his anger when he had done this, when he had struck Mary. And he said, on one, a scale of one to 10, I was a 15. I said, you're this angry. I think you may have killed her. And he looked at me and said, no, I didn't kill her. But the next day, my wife, Charlotte, told me that that night she saw Satan in my eyes. And she said I was possessed by a demon. And then it dawned on me that he's admitting but not admitting that he killed her. And I said, OK, William, I believe you. You didn't kill her. But what about that demon inside of you? Could that demon have killed Mary? And he looked at me and said, yes, the demon could have killed her.
3: When he walked out, did you think you were letting a killer go?
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Joe said, yeah, we don't have a body, but he said, this this guy came so close to confessing that it was as close as he's ever had anybody come. Is that enough
3: to go to a prosecutor and say, I don't know if we're ever gonna get the body, but we we have a lot of the pieces of the puzzle.
2: Yeah, uh, the DA wasn't ready to file at that time.
3: Did you think there was enough?
2: I thought there was probably enough. Um, I was not worried, really, because I thought, we are building the case here.
3: And then, just as the detective's confidence was growing, the case took an unexpected turn. Remember, police had no record of Mary Louise Day as an adult. There were no credit cards, no driver's license or ID recorded anywhere there hadn't been a trace of Mary in more than two decades. Until police in Phoenix, Arizona made a traffic stop.
2: I got a phone call, I was at home, I left work, and he told me, uh, hey uh, captain, he says, you sitting down? And I said, what happened? He said, no, he says, "It's just gonna let you know that a Phoenix Police Department in Arizona pulled over a car and they say that they, uh, they found Mary Day. What do you make of William and Charlotte's stories? Hear Charlotte's unusual response to police searching for her missing daughter on Facebook at 48 hours.
3: November 2003, Phoenix, Arizona. It was a routine traffic stop a pickup truck with stolen plates when police ran the ids of the passengers one of them hit a woman named mary day
1: he said joe guess what uh, mary day has been found and i i was stunned
3: investigators had put mary day into a missing persons database long ago
1: she identified herself with a phoenix identification card or arizona state identification card
3: Back in California, Detective Joe Bertina felt like a ghost had just appeared. In his mind, Mary Day had been murdered more than 20 years earlier at the home of her parents. You talked to William and Charlotte in April of 2003. And then seven months later or so, a woman named Mary Louise Day just falls out of the sky. I was stunned. His boss, Steve Sircone, could not believe it.
1: Joe went
2: down there, and he met her, and he sent a picture of her, and we went, what? Wait a minute. No, all right, all right. It looked like it could be her. And I said, said, wait a minute, all all these other bits of circumstantial evidence.
3: The father almost confessing to something? Almost
2: confessing to the murder of of a little girl.
3: And now, here was this woman, 700 miles away, with a valid Arizona state ID. Strangely, that ID had been issued only three weeks earlier, while the homicide investigation was underway. Well, you must have found the timing awfully suspicious.
2: Yes, it was very suspicious.
3: When Detective Bertina went to Phoenix, the woman he was sure had been murdered told him she had run away from her mother Charlotte and stepfather William when she was a teenager. She'd basically lived under the radar and by her wits ever since. But she seemed hesitant and her story seemed sketchy. Later in a phone call, Mary told Bertina she had some awful memories.
1: Did you want to talk about what happened that last night?
3: It
1: hurt. I'm sure it does. But what happened that last night?
6: I'm so confused anymore. I don't know what's real or not. I remember you kept throwing my head into
1: the tub. Is that when you started bleeding?
3: That I was already bleeding and hit my head into the coffee table, I I think I blacked out. Maybe I was like, I can't put all the pieces together tell you. But she didn't remember anything about the sick dog. Was that troublesome to you?
1: That was, yeah.
3: Investigators say it was hard to pin down much of anything about her past two decades. They began to wonder if the woman with the freshly minted ID was really who she claimed to be. You refused to call her Mary Louise Day. We
2: called her Phoenix Mary.
3: In phone conversations, Phoenix Mary was sounding increasingly frustrated.
7: Can I go to one place to match you if you don't mind?
4: Go ahead, Mary.
3: If you would have
7: found my body, how were you going to be able to prove who the hell I was? DNA. Oh, so since I'm still alive, y'all can't prove who I am?
2: There's no record
1: of you ever being anywhere. It's like you haven't existed up until now.
2: I said, all right, let's get a DNA test on this woman. Let's let her prove that she's the uh, daughter of Charlotte. We're going to disprove that she's married, of course, because there's no way that her DNA is going to match.
3: Except it did match.
2: <laughs> I nearly fell on the floor. I couldn't believe it. The DNA came back positive to being a daughter. <laughs> of charlotte
3: the case was closed sherry invited her long lost sister to move in with her in most cases that would be the end of the story but not in this case so now dna matches yep. case closed
2: yeah well if it were that simple right
3: once phoenix mary moved in sherry started to have her own doubts
4: the First thing I noticed was she it sounded like she had some weird midwestern southern accent. It's weird to me.
3: The detectives had noticed that too.
5: That's an interesting
2: dialect you have, Mary.
5: What do you mind?
2: I don't know if I've ever quite heard that particular manner of speaking.
5: Hey, y'all still kind to prove who I am, huh?
2: Yes, ma'am, we are.
3: Phoenix Mary also said she never used her real
5: name. Say, nobody's knowing me as Mary. I gave that name up years ago, What name would they know you by? Monica Devereaux.
4: It's a name she said she made up. I did notice that she had magazines in the name of Monica Devereaux. Sherry's
3: sister Kathy was also unnerved.
1: No, that's not Mary.
3: Why? What makes you so sure? <sighs> Something's off. You're telling me that your gut is saying it's not her? My gut. She says the woman claiming to be Mary didn't even remember that their birth father left them an inheritance they could collect at age 18. It was their shared escape plan, and they had a code word for it. Was there a a code word or some sort of secret between you and Mary? Yeah, it was. It was called Mohawk. Mohawk was your secret word? Yep. And Mary did something else strange. She wrote a note to Detective Bertina.
2: She emailed Joe and her email said something to the effect of, I've been lying to you about who I am. And that was new information. Oh my God, I said, oh, this is a whole new ball game.
3: Still, the case remained closed. But then in 2008, Steve Sircone, now Seaside's police chief, got a phone call from investigators at the army base in Fort Ord. Another set of cadaver dogs had been working on an unrelated matter and had found something.
2: Fort Ord was a huge place. And he said, look, we brought the cadaver dogs out here and they went over hundreds of homes. And he said, we got a hit on one of the homes. You'll never believe who was living in this house. He said, William Houle and his family lived in this house.
3: In 2008, cadaver dogs alerted near a second home where the Hools had lived, the house they had moved to shortly after Mary disappeared. So what are you thinking? That a body has been moved by this family from one location to another?
2: Yeah.
3: Once again, police dug. And once again, they came up short.
2: Was Mary moved twice? Was this little girl who may have been killed back in 1981 was her body moved twice?
3: Although the case had been closed, Sir Cohn felt something was seriously wrong.
2: I don't know. I don't know, but we have to investigate this.
3: He hired Mark Clark, a retired homicide detective from nearby Salinas, California.
6: Absolutely the most bizarre case I've ever come up against.
3: Reviewing the evidence collected over the years, Clark was convinced there was a murder and missed opportunities.
6: There's so many parts about this thing that could have solved this case back then that is really frustrating.
3: He believes they let the parents off the hook too soon.
6: Mom and dad say she ran away, don't ever talk about her again. They tore up her pictures, threw away her clothes, and that was it.
3: Most damning, he says, are William's own words. His
6: comment was, I couldn't have killed Mary. My body would have done it, but it wouldn't have been me would have been that demonic personality because I blacked out.
3: Clark says he would have arrested William Hool You
6: just admitted to a homicide and we're letting him go.
3: Clark also focused on that shoe detectives found. Another detective asked Kathy about it.
6: They first asked, did you guys ever wear canvas tennis shoes? And Catherine said, Keds? And she said, yes, and he pulled out the shoe and it's pretty chewed up, but you can tell that it's a tennis shoe with a canvas body to it. And she said exactly that.
3: And he consulted with The Body Farm, a renowned research facility that studies what happens when bodies decompose. He says they found soil samples consistent with a body being buried. What do you think happened to Mary Louise day?
6: She was killed in 1981, uh, probably around July.
3: Clark believes the woman now claiming to be Mary Day is an imposter.
6: There's just too many things that point to Phoenix Mary Day being somebody else.
3: But what about that DNA test showing she's Charlotte Houle's daughter? Well, Mark Clark has a theory that he says explains it all, even if it is a little far-fetched. He says Charlotte Hull had another daughter, a secret daughter born before Mary and given up at birth. Clark believes Phoenix Mary is that secret daughter. So you think Phoenix Mary is the actual sister of Mary Louise Day who goes missing back in 1981? Yes. He looked into Charlotte's background.
6: There's some circumstantial evidence that Charlotte had a couple of marriages where she would be involved in extramarital affairs and become pregnant from those affairs.
3: Clark says the ghouls could have reached out to Charlotte's secret daughter when they felt they were in trouble.
6: I believe she was somehow sought out by Charlotte and William to pose as Mary Day to avoid prosecution.
3: It was an elaborate plot, he says. The Hools knew that police were investigating Mary's disappearance, and they asked her secret sister to assume her identity. Sir Cohn says the Hools had the wherewithal to do it.
2: What if they took the birth certificate of Mary, which they probably had, and the social security card for Mary, what if they gave those cards to the other sister and said, you're now Mary?
3: says the scheme put an end to the investigation and also put money in Phoenix Mary's pocket.
2: There was an inheritance. We thought the motivation would be the inheritance because she could collect that inheritance.
3: With accrued interest, that inheritance was now worth roughly $60,000. Sherry helped Mary get her cut. We reached out to William and Charlotte Houle through a relative they said they had no comment. Mark says the imposter theory accounts for a lot of inconsistencies. For example, Mary's odd Southern accent.
6: The accent was really thick. Sherry and Catherine both said that Mary Day never had an accent.
2: She has a Southern accent. It's a pronounced Southern accent. Can I go one
7: place to if you don't mind?
2: Go ahead, Mary.
7: If you would have found my body, how were you gonna be able to prove who the hell I was?
3: Mary did claim that she had spent some time in the South, as an adult, but was only there briefly as a child when experts say it would have given her that accent.
6: And I let four separate Southern dialect experts listen to the interview, and they all concluded that it would have taken living her her formative years, up to nine or 10 in the South to acquire this Southern accent.
3: And there was that email that Phoenix Mary sent, saying she wasn't who she claimed to be. After about a year of living with Sherry, Mary moved out on her own, but the mystery just wouldn't die. Another detective was about to take a crack at the case. We have to be very
7: careful, all of us in law enforcement, not to make our story fit our ideas, or what we believed happened. What makes a life a good one?
6: Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? (laughs) Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself.
4: Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana.
2: It doesn't get any better than this.
3: 2017, Sherry Calgaro still wanted answers about the woman claiming to be her sister.
4: Uh, Basically, everyone that's ever met her uh, has a lot of doubts. I have my own doubts. We
3: took Sherry to visit Phoenix Mary in Missouri, where she'd been living for a few years.
4: I'm hoping that she will admit, she will confess to us who she really is. Okay, good
3: luck. Bye. Bye. Mary was living here and suffering from late stage cancer. She wasn't up for any more visitors that day. As Mary's help was failing, the new acting chief of Seaside Police was determined to solve the case once and for all. Judy Velaz chipped away at the idea that Mary Day was murdered. For starters, additional tests showed Mary's DNA matched not only Charlotte, but also the birth father. And then there was that little girl's shoe. I
7: put it in the palm of my hand, and I mean, it fit in the palm of my hand. It was very small. I had a hard time believing that a 13-year-old would have to be, I mean, I saw her stature in the picture. She wasn't that short.
3: The laws also traveled to Mary's home. She says Mary herself filled in the gaps. She wanted to convince us she was Mary, and
7: it seemed sincere.
3: Mary said she began calling herself Monica when she ran away, because she didn't want police to take her back home. Mary also mentioned a new name, Maury, a woman she knew in those early days on her own in California. The laws tracked down
4: Maury Kimmel, I got her when she was 15, very naive and, and innocence about her, almost like childlike.
3: At the time, Maury had two young daughters of her own.
4: She just won my heart, and my girls loved her.
3: You know that that may have been the only and the best family life she ever had in her entire I'm life. I'm realizing
4: that
6: now, you know. Yeah. I wanted to nurture her, you know.
3: But after about a year, one day, Mary was gone.
6: I was heartbroken.
3: Velaz discovered that Mary had moved around a lot, city to city, living on the margins. Honestly, when
7: I talked to her, she just seemed like a survivor.
3: She also solved the mystery of why Mary suddenly got that Arizona ID. She needed state aid to pay for surgery. She had her gallbladder taken out that led her to obtain her
7: proper driver's license, or ID, in the name of Mary Louise Day.
3: A local nonprofit had helped Mary track down her real birth certificate. The loss chalks up Mary's foggy memory to trauma and a lifelong battle with alcohol.
7: Those gaps in memory to me can be legitimate, especially if someone's been an alcoholic from the time they've been a teenager.
3: As for that email Mary sent to Detective Bertina saying she'd been lying about who she was, Velaz says Mary sent a follow-up email writing, quote, I'm not sure myself what I was trying to say in that email.
7: Again, from someone who is still a severe alcoholic and using.
3: And then Velaz came up with the smoking gun. One of Maury's relatives had a photograph. The picture really did it. It's Mary, she says, and it was taken at least a year after the alleged murder. We took the photo to Trueface. See it? I see this. A state of the art facial recognition company. CEO Sean Moore. So we're going to look at the results of our face matching algorithms on the images that you all sent us. Okay and it's, it's trying to see what? It's trying to see the probability that we're matching a young picture with one of the older pictures, so. If know, this is the same person. person? Correct, it's a probability that it's the same person. The top photo is Mary before she disappeared. The other photo is the one that Judy Velaz dug up. What are the numbers telling us? And you? the numbers are telling us that it's the same person. He says that's a 99% probability. With that photo, Judy Velaz submitted her report and closed the Mary Day investigation, this time for good. After all these years, the woman at the center of this case finally agreed to meet with me. This is the Mary that I met. Fragile, but not feeble it was clear from seeing her in person that this was a woman who had not had an easy life still she didn't seem to be trying to hide anything in fact she said it's very frustrating trying to prove who you are when there is no proof sherry is finally at peace
4: was all of a sudden it felt like i had a weight lifted off my shoulders It was just like, it's done, this is her. that's pretty much the end of that story. It's not that simple for Mark Clark.
6: I've seen the report. I'd be lying if it didn't make me second-guess my investigation.
3: Even though he can't prove his theory, he can't quite shake his old hunch that Mary is an imposter. Do you believe that William Poole murdered Mary Louise Day?
6: Based on the evidence I've found, yes.
3: As for Steve Sircone...
2: I will admit that once I read Judy's report and I saw that picture, I definitely leaned towards the identity of Mary as being Mary Louise Day, Mm -hmm. the little girl that we were looking for.
3: Still, he says, he is certain of one thing. Those cadaver dogs were on to something.
2: They were positive. 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 They said, you know, our dogs don't lie. They don't lie. Who was buried in those gravesites?
1: Mary Day died nine days after Judy Villaz interviewed her.
2: There was no funeral. Do you believe that the woman claiming to be Mary Day was really her? Hear more about investigator Julie Velaz's meeting with Mary at 48hours.com. An aspiring towboat captain, a mysterious death. He's flying
0: across
2: the bathroom the dog, and he got blood everywhere. His girlfriend and friends say they found it. Police ruled out foul play, but there are troubling clues. It's a stage C. They let somebody get away with murder. 48 Hours, next on CBS.
5: 500, 500. That's audible.com/slash thrill or text thrill to five hundred five hundred.
6: If you're listening to this podcast, then chances are good you are a fan of the Strange, Dark, and Mysterious. And if that's the case, then I've got some good news. We just launched a brand new Strange, Dark, and Mysterious podcast called Mr. Ballins Medical Mysteries. Go follow Mr. Ballins Medical Mysteries wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're a Prime member, you can listen early and ad-free on Amazon Music.
0: Join me, 48 Hours correspondent Erin Moriarty, on my podcast, My Life of Crime, as I take on true crime investigations like no other. This season, I'm looking into the secrets within families cutting straight to the evidence and talking to the people directly involved. Enjoy My Life of Crime on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on Wondery Plus.